So let us turn, and we're still busy with Elijah, and I, we just don't want to stop there, but we will somehow come to, it will somehow come to an end, the series on Elijah. But today, it's a very important day where we speak about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And the title of the message, if you have your notes, you will see it there. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. But we know who is God. Isn't it true? We're going to read, it's quite a long portion of scripture, so, so bear with us this morning as we read from verses 16 to, to, to verses 40. But let's read together this morning and, uh, and experience what Elijah experienced on Mount Carmel. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. It's First Kings chapter 18 from verses 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God... Follow him. So far, may God bless the reading of the word. We're going to stop with that question. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Let's pray together again. Father, thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will minister to us in a very special way here today. Speak to us, Lord. Show us who you really are today. For Lord, you are real, you are awesome, and you are powerful, and we worship you for who you are. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Lord, minister, touch our lives. Get us to the place, Lord, where where your fire falls on us this morning. Because, Lord, it says there, if we read further, that the fire fell when Elijah repaired the altar. And we pray, Lord, that the fire will fall on us this morning. Your fire, Lord. That in our, in our midst, Lord, we will sense your presence in a very positive way today. Won't you bless us further, Lord? We thank you, Jesus. Amen. For more than three years, there was no rain. They had a drought. The ground turned brown and began to crack. The flowing of water dried up. The brooks disappeared, and the Jordan River became little more than a trickle. All across the land, the crops were dying on the vine. Animals became carcasses lying in the fields. Can you, can you picture that? Finally, God tapped Elijah on his shoulder once again and said, Go and see Ahab again. And this is where we continue this morning. We continue 
to journey through the story of Elijah, risking all before Ahab and on Mount Carmel, here in 1 Kings 18. We call it the battle of the gods. But was it a battle? Whose god would set the sacrifice on fire? The whole story is intensely dramatic. We see in the story that our God, the mighty God, the only true God, is indeed the God of fire. We see this in Exodus 3 already, when Moses heard a voice speak to him from the bush, that burning bush. Can you remember bush that could not be consumed? In Exodus 13, God points the way for the Israelites in the desert as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Can you remember the fire? In Exodus 24, God appeared as the consuming fire. A familiar verse quoted in Hebrews 12, verses 29 as well. How God is a consuming fire. It is... Also, as we think of fire, it is a symbol of God's very nature. Fire is a symbol of who God is, his passion, his energy, his vigor, his excitement, his drive, his burning and yearning. That is who he is. That is how he is defined. He is a supreme overwhelming personality that fuels everything he does. He gives 100% to all he does. He's our God, our mighty God. And the question is, what did, he, what did Elijah need at this moment? What did the people need? They needed evidence that God was alive and active. So that they, so that everybody around would confirm that. They also needed a manifestation of God's presence and power. So brothers and sisters, fasten your seatbelts. Let's walk through, not run through, let's walk through the story of power here today. And the first statement we're making is if he is really Lord of your life you will be able to overcome being falsely labeled. Did you hear that? Falsely labeled. And the verse, uh, in verse 17 uh, Ahab calls Elijah what? You troubler. Did you hear that? You troubler. He's already there falsely labeled Elijah. This word refers to one who is stirring something up. You stirrer. <laughs> not only some, uh, stirring something up, but also causes a disturbance. But it goes further. It also carries the meaning of a snake or a serpent. The word for trouble in Hebrew means snake. And it's almost like Ahab was saying to Elijah, you dirty snake. That's what he thought about God's anointed prophet. Have people said that about you? See, words have power, isn't it? Words have power to create. Words have power to heal. Words have power to shape. Words have power to motivate. Words have power to hurt, wound, discourage, destroy. 
If I think of words, words do not even have to be intentional to be deadly. And this is what this man calls Elijah. He labels him. But I want to say this to each one of you gathered here this morning. Young people and not so young people. It doesn't matter what your parents, your teachers, your friends, your spouse, or anybody else labeled you. They don't define you. Did you hear that? They don't define you. God is the one who defines us. The one who created you sent Jesus to die for you. The one who has great plans for your life sent Jesus to die for you. Jesus has taken your label. Jesus has taken your failure. Jesus has taken your fear. Jesus has taken your sin and nailed it to the cross. Hey, isn't that amazing, eh? In fact, it's been nailed to the cross. So whatever label or labels you are carrying, some may be true, others not. You must remember and remind yourself, if you are a child of the Lord this morning, that you are forgiven, you have been redeemed, you are loved, you have been chosen. And if you do not know the Lord this morning, remember this, that you are loved unconditionally and that you are valuable. You are a masterpiece. How do you like that? You're not a label. You're a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's greatest piece of work. The Greek word is poema. And it, it is the root word for poem. You are like a poem to God. Isn't that wonderful? You're like a poem to God. You were crafted by skilled hands. Not to be what you are, but to be what God intends for you to be. He is forever molding you, changing you, and making you a masterpiece daily. According to Ephesians 2 verse 10. We know that verse very well. Eh? You, you're not only a masterpiece this morning. You are more than a masterpiece. Paul says in spite of any and all circumstances you find yourself in, you have overwhelming victory in Christ. Romans 8 verse 37. We know that verse, isn't it? The word Paul uses here is the word hupernikeo. Hupernikeo, the Greek word. It means to thoroughly conquer, to go beyond where you are at present. Overwhelmingly, you conquer. Overwhelmingly, you go beyond where you are at present. That's an amazing thing. I, we can, we need to overcome those labels that others have given. I don't know what they've given you. They, maybe they've labeled you no good. 
Maybe they've rejected you. Maybe they labeled you as somebody that will never make it. But whatever the labels are that, are, that people have put on you, or that you have put on yourself, this morning there is one who is ready and available to you, waiting to assure you that you are his masterpiece, the best that he could ever have made. You are unique and special. But then Elijah turns the tables because he overcame those labels. Isn't that true? Elijah turned the tables and said, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You see, when you, and this is when you abandon God, there may, not be a, a, there may not be a physical drought. Did you hear that? But there will always be a spiritual drought. When you abandon God, there's not a physical drought, but a spiritual drought. When you make poor choices apart from the Lord, you will never find wholeness. Ahab, rather than looking within, points to Elijah. He points fingers at Elijah. And so many times that's what happens, eh? When, when we've abandoned the Lord, you know, we begin to point fingers at others. Those who point fingers at others, like Ahab, they will never find wholeness. It's got to, we've got to look in within and begin to say, hey, what about me? Where am I? What am I not aware of? What am I not seeing that I should be seeing? What am I not recognizing that I should be recognizing? What am I not dealing with that I should be dealing with? Let me stop pointing fingers at others. It's makkelijk. It is makkelijk om een vier te verwijzen. My pa had altijd gezegd, as een, maar wat van die ander vier? <laughs> yeah. What about the other four? You point one, what about the other four? What? So you, let us let us wonder. Let us let us not wonder, but let us let us be careful when we are when we begin to do these things. But it's when we've abandoned the Lord, you've abandoned your purpose, you've abandoned God's God's vision for your life and God's best for your life. If you have abandoned that and you are in a spiritual drought or a spiritual dry place this morning. Why don't you turn back to him and say, Lord, it's been dry, but I need your refreshing touch this morning. Yeah, that's what Elijah shared with them. He turned it around and he overcame those labels that were given to him. You don't have to be labeled because the Lord sees you as a masterpiece. But secondly, if he is... Uh, if he is not really Lord of your life, did you hear that? If he's really Lord of your life, you will overcome the labels. And that's the Lord enables you to overcome it. But secondly, if he is not really Lord of your life, indecision is a decision. Woo. Indecision is a decision. I can't make up my mind. I don't know what to do. Have you found, found people like that? Have you come, come across people like that already in your life? Indecision. Is a decision. In verses 19 to 20, Elijah commands Ahab to send for the people of Israel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, of Asherah, the female group of Baal. 
Elijah is challenging these false prophets to a duel. They will decide once and for all which God is the true God. And in verse 20, Ahab accepts this challenge and he goes around to call all the participants to come. In fact, he goes to round them up. Once they are there, Elijah ignores the prophets of Baal. How do you like that? He ignores the prophets of Baal and he turns his attention to the people of Israel, God's chosen ones, verse 21. And he asks them the question, how long will you waver between two opinions? This contest is not about defeating the prophets of Baal. It's about turning back to God. Did you hear that? Isn't Elijah's challenge here when you think about it? What our nation and our world needs to hear today? How long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver between two opinions? And the Bible says the response of the people are shocking. But the people said nothing. Did you hear that? People said nothing. Of all the things that plague Christianity today, perhaps this is the greatest problem. Spiritual indecision. Spiritual misrepresenting. Where we misrepresent the Lord and who He is. We do not want to make a decision. We walk away instead of making the right decision. You see, the ability of the people of God to make up their minds is important. But you see, we follow God as long as it is easy. And I want to say this. Yes, there are challenges in the Christian life. But I want to say this. It's fun to serve the Lord. You know, so like, you know, in Afrikaans, someone said, that as it's fun to serve the Lord. You know, despite the challenges, it's lacquer to be a child of the Lord. I don't think anybody can offer me anything better than what the Lord offers all of us here this morning. <clears throat> and uh, how long? When I think of those, will you waver between two opinions? The spiritual indecision stop. Waiting, stop saying, hey, let me wait, let me see. Stop saying that, begin to make the decision and make the right decision. Now the literal translation here is, when I think of that word, how long will you waver? Is how long do you mean to limp first on one leg and then on the other? You, I'm sure you have it in your notes there. Eh? Or it goes further, how long will you continue to hop? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Is that what life is all about? Back, back first. I can't hear spurring to Back and then forth, back and forth. Do you want your life to be like that? How long will you hop it like that? The wording suggests jumping around, never getting settled in one spot. Many of us, we just jump around here and there and everywhere. We never get settled at all. It also suggests a bird bouncing around from branch to branch, never knowing where to settle. 
But this word here, how long indicates that this has been going on for some, quite some time? Has this been happening to you? Elijah said, you can't have both. You can't worship self and God and expect to enjoy it or take pleasure in it. You can't have one foot in the world and another in God's kingdom. Double lives take half as long and never finds fulfillment. Isn't that true? It's a double life. If you complain often, especially when things don't go your way, if you hold grudges and gripes, chances are good. You are worshipping yourself and not the Lord. When you live to please yourself, you will find that nothing will please you. Isn't it amazing? Nothing pleases you if you live for self. You will jump to the next thing, the next feeling, the next power struggle, the next grievance. Looking for something to fill the void and nothing will. What is it this morning that keeps you from being a wholehearted follower of Christ? What is it? I ask again that is keeping you from being a wholehearted follower of Christ. I read a story, maybe some of you have come across it, of a young lady young woman who for years struggled with being two different people, one at church and another person during the week. And this is what she says, For years I've gone out to have drinks with friends, often and have made the worst choices in my life as a result of some of those nights. And then I turned around and I tried to rely on church to make me feel whole and good again. So Sunday I come to church and maybe church will make me feel good and whole again. Is that true? Is that reality? Hmm? <laughs> uh, she says it's been an endless cycle of emptiness Seeking wholeness, emptiness and seeking wholeness. An endless cycle of trying to be two people at the same time. Hey, you can't be two people at the same time, people. <laughs> Brothers and sisters. Yeah. And this is what she says. I realize that I can't combine two lifestyles. Are you combining two lifestyles this morning? Stop playing games. If you're combining two lifestyles, stop playing games. Stop sitting on the fence. Stop messing up your life. You're not going to get anywhere trying to live a double life. That's what happened to this lady, and she realized it, and eventually she surrendered her life for all to the Lord. But then finally here this morning, and I've got quite a few things to say there. It's the third one is, if he really is Lord of your life, the difference between the fake and the real will be obvious. Did you hear that? Right from verses 22 to 40. The difference between the fake and the real will be obvious. The prophets of Baal 
are invited to go first. Elijah gives instructions, verses 22 to 29. The story itself is very simple. The prophet of Baal cut up a bull and laid the, uh, the pieces on the wood, but Elijah would not let them set it on fire. Elijah says to them, ask Baal to light the fire for you. Did you hear that? <laughs> ask Baal to light the fire for you. Can you hear me? You still can hear me, although the... Don't be distracted by this now, please. Eh? <laughs> I hope you're not. <laughs> Ask Baal to light the fire for you. He told the prophets of Baal to do whatever they needed to do in order to get Baal to send fire from heaven. Baal was the chief god of the Canaanites. He was the lord of the culture there. Hey, can you believe it? He was Lord of the culture there. He was a storm God, a fire God, a weather God, the God of good crops. That was Baal. He was the master of wind and rain, of fertility and the land and the earth, according to the people who were worshipping him. He was, he was not only that, you know, he was more than that to them. And they sacrificed so much. But in the end they realized it was not worth it. In, in the worship of Baal, besides child sacrifice, there was also child sacrifice. Besides snake reverence, they gave reverence to the snakes. And besides bodily mutilation or cutting up of the body, a lot of erotic dancing would be included in their worship. When they danced, they would scream and beat their drums and lower their bodies almost to the ground. They bowed to the ground to show their devotion to Baal. Think of wild screaming and various tricks up on Mount Carmel. They carried on for hours, calling out, Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. Nothing happened. At noon, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Shout louder, shout louder, shout louder. Maybe he's busy. Maybe your God is busy. Maybe he's in deep thought. Shout louder, come on, come on, come on. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with your God? Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. And he uses Hebrew words that has a variety of meanings. Some say the word means that he's gone off hunting or something. Others suggest it means to go to the bathroom. That's quite an insult if you think about it. But toward the end of the afternoon, in in desperation, the prophets of Baal took knives and swords and began to cutting themselves as a kind of blood sacrifice to their false gods. How desperate they were. But the heavens were silent. No matter what they did, the priest of Baal could not get an answer from their god. They tried waiting. They tried to turn up the volume. They tried jumping and dancing around. They tried beating up on themselves. They tried working harder. But in the end, their God 
quite literally left them high and dry. I think that makes it so sad that even today, as you watch people, <laughs> they take so long to get to the end of verse 29. You can read verse 29. They try to find fulfillment through ungodly means. Going with the flow. They try to find fulfillment through addictions. They try to find fulfillment through a busy life. But they keep doing the dance. Did you hear that we spoke about dance earlier? They keep doing the dance that is not working. They keep doing the dance, the same dance, and it's not working. They cannot begin to ascend back to God if they keep doing the dance. That is not working. People hit the bottom. They hit the bottom, but they keep doing the dance. That is not working. That where you are. Keep doing the dance. I wonder what that dance looked like. You want me to illustrate it? No, I won't do that. But they keep doing the dance. That's not working. Why you keep on doing the dance that is not working this morning? It's not working. But you go back every time. What a waste. It's not working. Stop doing the dance that is not working. Stop faking it. Stop doing the dance that will get you nowhere. The priest of Baal had prayer, but no power. They had fervor, enthusiasm in other words, but no fire. They had an altar, but a God was absent. But so how do you deal with the false gods? How do you get over it? Now the stage is set for the showdown between the fake and the real. They were the counterfeit. You know what counterfeit is? Eh? Counterfeit money. You've heard about that already. They were the counterfeit religious people praying counterfeit prayers, pouring out their lives in counterfeit sacrifices to a counterfeit God, a God who wasn't even there. Then one man, praise God, stood up for the truth. He offered real prayers. And that's what I challenge you to do. Offer real prayers to the Lord. He offered real prayers to a real God. Then God's fire fell. God chose that moment to reveal how real he is, how pure and holy he is, how passionate he is. God's fire separated the real from the fake. God's presence split the artificial from the genuine. The limping back and forth from being steadfast and focused. The dross of west from his shining glory. The fire of God. His passion fell on Mount Carmel. I pray that the fire of God would fall on us this morning. That the fire of God would show up in our midst this morning. You know, the fire fell when the altar was repaired with study. I ask you this morning, what altars need to be repaired in your life?
What attitude needs to be repaired in your life? What thinking needs to be repaired in your life? You see, when the altar is repaired, the Lord is given his rightful place. I ask you this morning, who is first in your life? Is it yourself? Is it a friend? Is it a loved one? Is it your job? Or is it the Lord himself? And then we come to verse 33 as we think of this altar being repaired. The sacrifice was a bull, a bullock, which Elijah cut up and placed piece by piece on the altar. Verse 33 speaks about that. Piece by piece on the altar. Romans 12 verse 1 says, present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Romans 6 verse 13 speaks about us yielding the, mem uh, the members of our bodies as, right as instruments of righteousness. I want to ask you this morning, how many of the pieces of your life have you really offered to the Lord on the altar? Maybe you should, I should change the question and, and ask it this way. How many of the pieces of my life have I really offered to the Lord on the altar? And how many of my members are yielded fully to him? What about my hands? What about my feet? What about my eyes? What about my ears? What about my lips? What about my home? What about my job? What about my pleasures? What about my friendships? What about my life? Have I yielded all the pieces? All the pieces to him this morning. Oh, the fire falls when I yield all the pieces to him. Every piece needs to be yielded to him. The fire fell also. Secondly, when every possibility of us artificiality was removed. Verse 32 to 35. You see, those pagan priests were notorious for their trickery in deceiving the people with false signs and lying wonders. <laughs> Elijah was preparing to stop this. So after placing the pieces of sacrifice on the altar, he drenched both the altar and sacrifice with water. Not only once or twice, but three times. You can read it there in from verse 32 to 35. He drenched it. He didn't want them to say, "Ah, you are faking it, Elijah. He drenched it all. I ask you this morning, what things do you substitute for living a totally surrendered life? What have you substituted thus far? And I'm almost through, but I need to ask you that question. What are you substituting for the Lord this morning? The Bible says the altar and sacrifice were consumed. Man, the fire fell. Man, it was quite a sight. It not only burned up the sacrifice, it burned up the wood. That's normal. But then it burned up the stones. Can you believe it? Stones burned up. And the soil, of course, the soil would be burned up. But, but stones burned up. That's what, that's what happened when the fire fell. But even further, 
in the trenches, there was water, a lot of water in the trenches. And what happened? The fire licked it up. <laughs> licked up the water in the, all, those, all, all those trenches. It was just got licked up. Only God could do that. See, when, it, when there's fire, do you think water, water gets licked up by fire? Has fire ever licked up water? I don't think so. Can you, can, have you ever experienced that? But this is what happened there. Fire licked it up. And I want to say this, whatever is in your life, whatever you have messed up, wherever you have blown it, the Lord's power is able to lick it up and set you free. That's the fire of God. See, the falling of fire resulted finally in wholehearted repentance. Verse 37 to 39, they fell on their faces, exclaiming, the Lord, he is God. He is not a fake. He is real. Jesus did not consider in Philippians equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. When we read that, we realize that Jesus gave up all rights to himself. And then verse 40 speaks about those people, uh, how they killed those prophets and the people there. Uh, we need a slaughter sometimes. Did you hear that? And I'm, <laughs> I need to conclude with this. We need a slaughter. We need to die, in other words, to sell ourselves. That's what repentance is all about. I'm slaughtering these things. I die to, to myself. I want to say this to you as I encourage you. We've spoken about deep things here this morning. There is great power behind your call because God has called you and I to be ambassadors. And there's, a, there's great power behind your call as an ambassador. You are the highest ranking diplomat sent by God to represent his heavenly and royal kingdom. You are to be carriers and reflectors. You and I are to be carriers and reflectors of God's heavenly culture. I love the next word. You are to resonate God's kingdom's appeal. When I think of that word resonate, you've got to echo it. In other words, a better word would probably be echo. You've got to echo God's kingdoms appear, kingdoms appear here. Yeah. Are you doing that? Are you resonating it? You see, when we resonate who the Lord is and what his kingdom stands for, we resonate joy, we resonate peace, we resonate grace, we resonate the beauty of who he is in our lives. What are you resonating this morning? What are you echoing this morning? If he needs to cut through anything this morning, allow him to cut through whatever needs, needs a cutting and a slaughtering today. Won't you say this morning, away with double standards. Away with indecision, away with, a, with double-mindedness, away with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. Away with it.
Lord, you and you alone are my all. Amen.